Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, omakase, seafood buffet, beef steaks, and warm bowls of ramen, or perhaps your delicious bowls of bachor mee or mincemeat noodles topped with a dash of tangy black vinegar. Now, you might have seen countless videos of people recommending restaurants and eateries serving delectable meals on social media, but how many of them end up? Being the ones that you actually try out in person. Well, that's a problem that our guest for today, Drigmo, aims to solve. Now, founded by ex-Googlers in 2022, Drigmo aims to be a Spotify playlist, but for food. Now, put simply, it is a social app where users create their own restaurant lists, organize the places on a map, and bring the list to life by adding notes. Pictures and videos. Users can even see what their friends have on their lists and save discoveries from them. Now, the app was first introduced in Singapore via TikTok in March this year, and since then, users have saved over forty-five thousand places and created over fifteen thousand tags on the platform. Now, according to a Deal Street Asia article, the firm hopes to disrupt Google's restaurant reviews. So, how does the firm define? The industry it operates in and its positioning strategy, but more importantly, how much money is in the restaurant review business, and what does Drinkmo's growth trajectory look like in the near future? Well, for more, I've got with me Peter Walraven, co-founder at Drinkmo. Peter, welcome. Hi, nice to be here. Great to have you on board, and I understand you're joining us all the way from Amsterdam. Is that right? Yes, it's pitch black. Here, so it's still super early, like winter, winter time. Wow. Okay,、uh, we've briefly talked about Drinkmo as something like a Spotify playlist, but for food and food reviews. So before we start, Peter, help us understand what were the reasons behind founding the firm. I understand it was mooted when you realized that younger people they are not writing reviews, food reviews anymore. How big is the problem? What opportunities do you see here? Yeah, so we were basically sitting at Google, and we've spent around five years there, and we bumped into this internal report around Gen Z,、uh, just behaving just very differently, right? So there's short form video, and the world moved on from text to photos to video, and but when you look at Google Maps, which is still the main、uh, place where people check, read about restaurants. It's still quite an old school format, and I think there's some, there was something else going on. There was sort of a bit of a lack of trust where people are like, "Who who are these people that are reviewing? I don't know them." So I think the the world has moved on to like, okay, I know this influencer very well, I know my friend very well, but、um, innovation on maps sort of stalled. And when we started looking at the space, we realized the space has been untouched for so long, right? So so Yelp launched、uh, a year after MySpace. Right, this is twenty years ago, and not not much has changed. A review, the format, not much has changed. So that sort of planted the seed for us. Like, we don't know what the future will look like for reviews, but why don't we take reviews as a separate product and just focus on that? Take that part of Google Maps out. And see how we can innovate, and see if we can build a separate platform for that. And when we look at、uh, social media, right,、um, users or social media users seeing that avalanche of videos, food recommendations coming up, but not actually taking action on that because there's just so much information and nowhere to store them. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and how you aim to bridge that gap with Drinkmo? 
Yeah. So there's there's um, when we looked at the space, we realized, OK, discovery is amazing these days. Right. You go to TikTok and there's just looks delicious. People are like the quality of the camera is just so good and people edit it and it's just so entertaining. So people love discovery and everywhere you look, there's food, right? So we really realized, okay, that's not really a problem. So it's a bit of a trap to think, okay, we're going to solve discovery. Because when you ask people, they'll always be like, yeah, yeah, I want you to solve discovery and show me the best restaurant. But I think discovery is everywhere and people love it. But I think what happens after discovery, which is how do you keep track of all those places? And that's what really resonated. And when we first launched on TikTok and we described what we were doing, which is, okay, how do you keep track and remember all these places that you discover? People really feel that's a, that's a problem. They're missing out. They feel stuff gets buried in all the other stuff that they try to save. It's unstructured. People have notes. People have spreadsheets. And that's where we bumped into the idea of a restaurant list. A lot of people have a restaurant list. Um, and... Those lists are social by nature. So we thought, wait, why don't we try to build a platform around that phenomenon of people keeping a list? Hmm. Right. And okay, looking at the opportunities and the industry gap that you tried to fill, how would you then define three things, Peter, your value proposition, business model, and then the industry you lie in as well as positioning? Hmm. Yeah, so we're like, initially, we were basically a... Uh, just a utility, right? So we keep track of your restaurants, we organize it. So we just make that easier. People are messing around in spreadsheets and notes. We studied hundreds of notes, thousands of notes of people just to see, okay, what, what do we solve there? But as you grow your list um, and your friends come on, then gradually you start going into discovery, right? But then, so it's, it, we, we move gradually from a, use, a utility to a discovery. And then as you start aggregating more and more data, you, you really become a platform by yourself where people can just open up the app and don't necessarily like look at their own list, but explore on the map and see favorite places from their friends. But as we collect more data and understand people more deeply around, this is your favorite dish, you rated this restaurant super high, then we can uh, go even deeper and, and eventually be even become your personal concierge in terms of wait, we know you like this wine. Um, we can use ChatGPT and say, this matches very well with this dish. There's two restaurants that have new menus. So there's an incredibly strong network effect in terms of people adding their list and adding data that becomes much better. And, and the value prop broadens, essentially. Okay, two things. When we look at your target customers, right, uh, Peter, would you describe Drinkmo as a platform that is mostly B2C when you charge by a subscription basis to the end users? Or are you targeting the restaurants in a B2B fashion where you charge restaurants for sponsored content? Um, then the second part of the question has to be that while you mentioned that your proposition changes as the business evolves, who would you describe as your main competitors or people whom you want to disrupt at this point? Mm. Yeah, so we thought long and hard about the business model and we spoke to restaurants and we spoke to uh, our users. I think what we noticed is that restaurants are struggling. And I think the world has woken up to this after COVID where a lot of restaurants closed down. It's a, it's a tough business. And when we start charging restaurants, the, the incentives are not aligned. So it didn't feel well. I think a more interesting business model for us is the... Uh, 
just merchant data, right? So there's so many apps and platforms that need to know about restaurants. So there's social apps like Snap. They have a map in there, right? They still use Foursquare data, which is quite old, 15-year-old data most of the times. They use TripAdvisor reviews. Apple Maps uses TripAdvisor reviews. When you're in your car and you're navigating to a restaurant, uh, that also, that restaurant data needs to come from somewhere. So for us, it makes much more sense to not charge the restaurants, which are sort of fed up with tech, and, and tech has abused restaurants for, for quite a while, right? So Yelp, ask a restaurant about Yelp in the U.S., not so happy. Uh, Groupon as well. They're like, mm, DoorDash, basically, they weren't so nice for them during the pandemic, taking such a big cut. So we're thinking, why don't we just create an API instead for larger, so it's still like larger companies to, to leverage that. So could be delivery apps, could be travel apps, could be social apps, could be your car software, anything. That's more the direction that we're thinking. Well, I believe uh, Drinkmo's uh, application was first announced in Singapore via TikTok in March this year. Now, question though is, uh, Peter, why did you choose TikTok as part of your go-to-market strategy? Have you launched Drinkmo in other geographical markets yet? And if not, why Singapore as a starting point? Mm. Singapore is actually the perfect country for something like this, because when you're building a consumer app, you're really trying to create a certain behavior, um, um, which is like the metric that we're after is, is retention, right? Do people come back and you create a habit that they come back to the app? And for us, the frequency of, of eating out, that's a super important number for us. And when you look at the frequency, when you look at the, the relative uh, wallet uh, spend, Singapore is just in the top. So it's, it's perfect for us. So when we launched, um, we always have focused on just Singapore just to see if it works. Otherwise, if we would launch worldwide and target worldwide, there's a sense that you're boiling the ocean. You got all these different languages. You have to optimize for all these different cultures. Um, so Singapore was perfect for us. And, and TikTok enabled us to target uh, quite well. Uh, and f why we launched on TikTok, it's it's basically because when you're when you're building a consumer app and when when you're trying to um, create a certain behavior, you have to go after young people. Uh, that's just an industry fact, right? If you look at any new social app, is there any new social app that you heard from from your parents? Probably not. All right. So it's always the young kids that are maybe in their dorms or maybe they just graduated and they're traveling, they're meeting new people, they're dating people, they have a new job, they eat out all the time, they travel all the time, they don't have kids yet. That's the basic, that's the target that you need to have. Otherwise, you're, it's going to be very, very hard. Right, and they end up being ambassadors for the app sometime down the road, right, with that potential to do that. Uh, well, let's take us through the current scale of your operations. Uh, Peter, I believe users saved over 45,000 places and created over 15,000 tags on the platform. But what numbers are we looking at when it comes to app downloads? And on the financial side of things, how far is Strigmo a revenue and profit generating business at this point? Yeah, so we don't share our exact numbers on, on users. But how we think about this is we're not looking at skill yet. Uh, what's much more important is retention. So when we can prove that we can retain people um, within a certain target audience, 
and and that's what we're basically focused on is retention because what happens otherwise if we if we started scaling now and there you, you basically you could see it as a leaky bucket which is sort of like a, an industry way to describe if your if your app doesn't retain users well enough you can spend a lot of money and you do like viral videos and it doesn't really matter because you're wasting it right these people come into the app they don't really understand it maybe you don't explain it in the right way maybe they need a certain feature to really for for them to make it click so we're focused on having big enough cohorts every week right which is around 150 200 people every week uh and just see every new feature that we launch we're we're shipping five ten times a day new stuff based on user feedback based on data that we track uh, and based on intuition uh so that's how we look at it right 150 200 users every week if we would like if we would send in more that's that's a waste right so we're not super focused on growth so that's all i can say about that and in terms of the the revenue potential you look at companies like foursquare right and people are like well foursquare is still around foursquare is foursquare is still a multi billion dollar business and they have an api for restaurants right and it's they don't have a lot of users, but and their data is a bit like it's it's not as modern as we try to like we we're focused on short form video mostly. For them, it's text and a bunch and a star rating, right? So there's a, there's tremendous value we believe in this and how we look at it. I'm not sure you know the company Waze. This is a navigation app. So what Waze did, they just said, okay, let's focus on navigation. Let's take navigation out of Google Maps. And just focus on that and have a really strong community that just generates a lot more high quality data than, than Google does. And by focusing purely on that, they, they managed to innovate. And in the end, Google, there was no way around it. Google had to acquire them, right? And I'm not saying that's our goal, but I think it's important to, to note that Google Maps does so many different things. And we work with that team while we were at Google. And it's just it's just a fact that if you don't focus purely, like we focus purely on on reviews, right? And Google is competing internally with all these different surface areas. Like, oh, we need to do three D view. We need we need to do navigation. We need, they need to do so many different things, and we can just focus on this one thing and engage our community to to collect data with us and, and build this thing. And and that's our strategy. And we we believe in the end we could, we're able to build tremendous value through that. Uh, strategy. Hmm, right. We'll talk a little bit about Google slightly later in this conversation, but let's talk about fundraising. Yeah, Peter, I believe you said on TikTok as well that you raised 1.2 million, I believe, is it same dollars or US dollars? US. US dollars for Drinkmo in April this year. And if we look at a Dew Street article in October, if I may quote here, uh, Drinkmo said it raise a strategic round from a handful of Singapore's most experienced and well-respected investors. Three big questions here. How much angel or VC funding does uh, Drigmo hold at this point in time? Two, who are your key investors? And three, what strategic value do they provide? Mm. So we're a super lean, small operation, right? And we believe when you build consumer social, you don't need a huge team. You need to build something and see that it, that it, that it sticks and that it works. Uh, so we still hold majority of the funding uh, because it doesn't make sense to put our foot on the gas or put oil on the fire we need to make sure that we have a, a solid fire first so we can still operate for a while um, what we 
want and what we look for from investors, first of all, is uh, trust. And what that means is that we can just call them and have a casual conversation and, and show our vulnerabilities, uh, right? So we want a partner and someone that we can just have a drink with and say, like, this is not working or, hey, do you need, like, we need this or, and, and basically have an open, uh, thoughtful conversation around uh, what you need um, versus someone like you don't want a relationship with a, with a VC that tells you what to do or think they, they can tell you what to do. So we picked carefully and, and through my previous business, I was lucky enough to know a few um, investors that are respect deeply that have been through what we're building as well. I think that's super important that people that people that understand that when you build something super early stage, uh, building momentum from scratch takes time and you have to be careful and they, they know that the, the devil is in the details. So yeah, like we have a very lean setup. I think, I think it's very modern. When you look at some of the other companies that raised during the time that we raised money, which was still the heydays, as we call it, now it's a bit harder. Um, they raised huge amounts of money. And I think what that does, if, if you don't have constraint, uh, you don't focus enough. So I think I consider around small enough to for us to have tremendous focus and a sense of urgency versus if we would have raised five or 10 million, we'd be like, oh, let's try this. Let's hire a bunch more people. Let's... I think that's a risk. And uh, you, you're starting to see that more and more when you look at modern setup, modern startups, they don't raise too much. Uh, it's still a lot of money, but it, it, they don't raise too much. Small team so that you can pivot. And, and we've had a few drastic changes in terms of strategy and vision. When you have five people, that's already twice as hard than three people like we are. Because everybody needs to internalize a change. Everybody needs to figure out, like, oh, oh right? And tell their wife and kids, oh, we're going to do something else, right? And that's painful. So if you have a very small team and you can turn on uh, all a dime, I think that's super important. So that's how we look at funding and team size and how much we spend. You know, since we're talking about Drinkmo being a really early stage company in terms of testing solutions, may I make a couple of guesses here and, and, and you let me know if I'm right or along the right tracks, right? Um, the first guess is that the money will be used for testing purposes before even scaling up in a separate funding round. That's number one. Two is that when we talk about the investor base, from what you are saying, I'm guessing uh, the ones who participated are the likes of the usual angels, like um, the likes of JJ Chai from Rainforest. We're talking about executives from Carousel. And we are also talking about the likes of Tin Man Capital, East Ventures. Am I in the right direction? Uh, actually, yes. So, so the first one, absolutely. It's a, and, and it's, a, it's, it's a classical phase, right? Pre-seed pre-product that people invested in. It's like, okay, let's let's prove that there's something here. Because then you have a little bit of fire and then you can, okay, let's raise more money and accelerate the fire. So testing, yes. Second one, absolutely. So we we have uh, Sheree uh, from Carousel. Like we wanted to have operators, right? So we looked at operators and ideally in the consumer space, right? Uh, we have Aaron Ten from Caro, and there's a few more operators, even from Web3, which is gives us an option that we want to do Web3 or not, which is something that we haven't really considered, but it's an option, right? Um, so it's it's operators mostly because they understand, right? You can go deep 
um, and they don't like it's it's different. But then there's also a few more, um, yeah, more more professional investors as well, which is nice for a later stage. They maybe they have deeper pockets, then they can follow on for a seed round. So that's nice as well. So we try to have quite a diverse round uh, with both operators as well as more strategic. Uh, maybe some like market, like market focus, where it's like, hey, this market could be interesting. So you want to just give yourself all these options. You don't know what the future will bring, but if you have just a rich box of options, I think that's always a good thing when you when you compile your round. Let's talk about what is the grand plan in future. Yeah,、um, I understand the founding team of Drinkmo, including yourself. You guys founded a work chat app called Pi, which was acquired by Google in 2016. And if we look at what Google said back then, the acquisition was more of an equity hire deal, which is the fact that they wanted to acquire the people and the team more so than the products. So, given this backdrop, do you foresee Drinkmo to be acquired by Google within the next three to five years? If not, what is Instagram plan for Drinkmo. Well, we did that already, right? And and we had a lot of fun at Google, and never say never. But I think this this will be the big one, right? For us, this is like this is like the long run. And I think that itch we had with Pi and it made sense, and it was a great adventure. And essentially, what Pi turned into was、uh, WeChat for India, right? Which it was an amazing adventure, and we learned a lot. Um, yeah, essentially, they needed a chat app to bolt on payments,、uh, and that and it became Taze T E Z, and and we were the founding team of that. And I think that itch has been scratched. It's been amazing, but now like now we have to like okay, let's do, let's try a, a really hard thing, and and we're patient, and we're in it for the long haul.、Um, so yeah, we're we're not we did that right, and I think that's also something that investors will understand and. And that, and that's that's why we're here. And it's it's not going to be easy, but yeah. Again, like we're looking at ways, and ways was also it was it's, it's a long play, right? You need to when you build a flywheel of a community, you need to be patient. And but it's compounding, right? And we're already like, wow, we have forty five thousand restaurants on the platform with rich data, right? Like very visible, or visual data around these restaurants, and it's compounding. And as people are tagged, they're tagging to organize their restaurants, right? They use these very creative tags, and we're starting to cluster them. And, and with AI, we can normalize them, and we get these incredibly rich data. And people take pictures of specific dishes; they can rate them individually. So you can imagine if we 10x our user base, then for a new restaurant, we would pretty soon have the menu with、uh, visual data. Rated based on people's rating, and we know what they like. So that's that's quite a powerful thing as that compounds. Right. And before we let you go, Peter, what are some future plans for Drinkmo for the rest of this year and into the next? What can we look forward to where Singapore is concerned? Yeah, we we, we have quite a. So we've been pretty quiet. We've been sharing our journey and mission on TikTok, and that's it. But we have quite a exciting large update in the works、um, around. Being a little bit more outgoing, and we're starting to slowly involve restaurants. We think there's an opportunity in loyalty, to be specific.、Um, right now, it's super scattered. Loyalty experiences are very dry, to be honest.、Uh, it's very like, oh, you get this if you do that. That's it, right? And I think 
we're like I can't be very specific, but we're, we're, like if you think about Pokemon Go or you think about uh, Foursquare back in the days, right? So like, why does everything have to be so boring? And, and that was one of the drivers. And I think that's the culture of the company that we have. It's like let's have a little bit more fun with our food and not just have it so factual and boring, right? So elements of Pokemon Go mixed with loyalty, um, mixed with a little bit of surprise and joy where it just makes your, your dining experience so much better. Uh, if you use Drigmo, you open up Drigmo and you get you just get delight and surprise. That's something that we're rolling out fairly soon, uh, like somewhere in January. Wow, okay. It looks like a lot of fun, I must say. Uh, thanks a lot, Peter. That was Peter Walraven, co-founder at Drinkmo. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.